This is the Don Juans of Dynasty, where we discuss all things Dynasty Fantasy Football. Sit back and enjoy the show. And we're live. Don Juans of Dynasty are back. Uh, Season three in the books, boys. Um, Some nice wins for a couple of our teams. Some uh, heartbreakers as well. Uh, This week, we got a good one on our hands. We're going to talk a little bit about the players that are surprising us the most through uh, three weeks and a couple of players that you might want to consider starting in your lineup if you were a little iffy on them going into it. So uh, without further ado, I'm your host, Mike. I'm joined by John. And Tommy. What's up? Still almost said Timmy again, man. I'm getting better, though. I haven't actually openly made the mistake. Um, John, I know you were already thinking about it. What do you want to tell the viewers about our uh, our 14 team matchup this week? What do you, how, who do you want to dedicate your victory to? Because uh, I know uh, we should. You on start him, the. But... You bench somebody. Tim told you to start. Is that why you won? No, I don't think so. Just good old Alexander Madison came through in the clutch for me, man. Did Tim give you him? No. Tim Tim okay. gave me uh yeah. Tim gave me was hurt. Tim gave me T. Higgins and Oh Brian Edwards. Tim gave me Brian Edwards. He got nice what eleven points against you? Did, Did you start me... Edwards? Uh, Antonio Brown. Tim gave me Tim gave Brown. Me... Tim gave me T. Me. Higgins and Brian Edwards for Devontae Parker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean Devontae Parker is obviously a staple of his starting lineup, so I don't really see what's wrong with that. He yeah, he's on the block if you want him. <laughs> Do you think he's going to get a similar return to what you got? Fair enough. Um, all right, let's get into it with the uh, weekly starts that we're looking at here. Um, I'll defer to you, Tommy, on whoever you want to talk about first. I can save mine for last. Okay. Um, my start of the week is Marvin Jones. Um I was actually surprised how low people valued him. In one of my leagues, he went undrafted in a 12-person league. Um, right now, he's – in my league, it's one-point PPR. He's the 20th-ranked wide receiver. He's averaging about 14 to 15 points a game. Um, the interesting part that I found is when the Jaguars' offense is struggling, Marvin Jones is still getting the right amount of targets and the right amount of points, which is good for fantasy purposes. He's averaging about uh, 10 to 11 targets. And this week, he's going up against a weak Cincinnati defense. And I think if you're between him and maybe another wide receiver, you, you give Marvin Jones a start this week. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Trevor Lawrence has been struggling a little bit, and it seems like Marvin Jones. So when guys like DJ Chark um, aren't, you know, scoring as ex- Jones are, have still been getting – like you said, 10 to 14 points a game, and he's always red zone. He yep. always scores a lot of touchdowns. Um, and it seems like Trevor Lawrence is kind of relying on him as a safety net. I, I don't know about this DJ Sharkslander. He scored double-digit points in two of his three games. He did disappear for one, which means Marvin Jones is more consistent. But uh, the guy who's been a bum over there has actually been LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. He's the, the one that people thought was going to take the biggest jump, and he's been doing, like, nothing. Yeah. I don't think they used Chenault properly. I well, I don't think Urban Meyer is smart. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair. 
So that's probably part of it, but um, fair enough. Okay, uh, I don't, I don't hate that. That's a, that's a good take. He's had a very solid floor lately. Who do you got, uh, John? Well, I just want to kind of clarify that we're kind of talking about not obvious guys here. Like, obviously, you could say, "Oh, start Dalvin Cook this week." I mean, unless he's hurt, but um, we're talking about more guys you might be like debating over in your flex spot. Um, so I'm gonna go with Corey Davis. Uh, he had a great week one. Um, and then he kind of faded off a little bit. Um, but he still is Zach Wilson's number one target. Um, week one, he had seven targets. Uh, last week, he had five. And then this most previous week, he had 12. Um, Zach Wilson is struggling quite a bit. Um, but he still seems to be pumping Corey Davis the ball. Um, so I think that if Zach Wilson can kind of put it together a little bit, uh, those 12 targets are going to start turning into way more receptions for Corey Davis. And he's going against his old team which I love starting players that are going against their old team. Um, so I think he is a good start in your flex this week. Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's a that's a good call, John. Um, my start for the week is Elijah Mitchell. Um, you know, in the two weeks that he's been healthy, he had 19 and 17 carries, respectively. I think if he was able to go this week, he would have gotten the lion's share of the carries again. And at this point, it doesn't look like – Shanahan really fully trusts Sermon. Um, I also think, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading and one of the issues for Sermon is, um, you know, he did look a little bit sluggish, but also one of the things that um, Shanahan really highly values, and and John, I know you said this before too, but he really does value guys that can like get to the corner quickly and then cut up field. Like it's what works best in his zone blocking scheme. So I don't know if he envisions over time that Sermon's going to get more comfortable or they're going to get to utilize him a little differently. But I definitely think that as it stands right now, um, Elijah Mitchell is probably a really solid flex play this coming week. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I got nothing nothing much to add. I agree with you. All right, fair enough. Um, let's go ahead and get into the main topic for today then. And we're going to talk about the – Top 12 scoring players at every single position. So for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, probably not going to get the tight end, but we'll see, Um, you know, as they stand right now. And then we'll kind of say who here is a surprise and who here, you know, maybe you're targeting or somebody that you think it's kind of an aberration and you would be looking to move off of them. So let's go ahead and start with quarterbacks here. And uh, in the format we're looking at, the top 12 scoring right now are Tom Brady, number one, Kyler Murray, number two, Patrick Mahomes, number three, Stafford, four, Kirk Cousins, five, Russell Wilson, six, Lamar Jackson, seven, Derek Carr, eight, Jalen Hurts, nine, Josh Allen, 10, Daniel Jones, 11, and Sam Darnold is 12. Um, Sammy D. Who do you guys want to start talking about? Do you want to go from high to low here? Maybe for, um, for anybody you guys want you – want, you want me to start with a, with who I would want to point out? Yeah, I thought we were just talking about, like, guys we're surprised that are there. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily say I'm surprised, but even at number four, Matthew Stafford here looks very, very legit in this offense. Um, if you bought Matthew Stafford during the offseason, good on you because he's definitely living up to the hype. Um, I, do you guys buy that he's going to be a top-10 scoring quarterback rest of the season? Uh, 100%, yes. You want to you wanna 
tell me why. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll elaborate even more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so McVeigh, as you all know, is a, uh, a very good offensive coordinator and head coach, obviously. But um, when he was playing with golf, he did a lot of running, a lot of play action. And it was crazy in the Tampa Bay game. He ran three play action plays. He's completely ditched that old playbook. He's letting Matt Stafford sit back and like throw the ball wherever he wants. You trust that he'll make the right read. You've, you've pack in that they have a decent O-line this year. And then that wide receiver core is really good. Tyler Higby stepping up at tight end. I just Their defense is doing well, getting the ball back in their offense's hands. I, I don't see any regression from Matt Stafford. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I just thought it was funny that you didn't say anything after you said you agree. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's got tons of weapons. Um, we say it every year that uh, Cooper Cup and um, – now I'm blanking on the dude's name. Robert Woods um, are underrated every year, and I think Matt Stafford's finally getting them to their potential, which is good to see. Um, and then even guys like Van Jefferson, uh, Deshaun Jackson, they're stepping up um, you know, when they need to because Stafford has a big arm and they're kind of deep threats. Um, and he looks great. He looks comfortable in the offense already. Um, so I agree with you. I think he's going to be still a top 10 QB for the rest of the year. Um, I can start talking about my guy. So Kirk Cousins is right behind Matt Stafford at five. And a lot of people might find that surprising. Well, real, real quick, Tommy, just before we, before we get into, um, Cousins, the one thing I wanted to ask you is just like player value, um, for like based on their stats. All right. So we we're both, or all three of us are agreeing that Matthew Stafford probably ends the season top 10. Um, would you pay a first for him in a two QB league at this point? Um, if you're a win now, I, I definitely would. He's only 33. Yeah. I would. If you're in the win now situation, I would, I would throw first. You probably have to, right? I don't yeah. think his owners are giving up for a second. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're definitely not giving him up for a second. I, I would also give it first if you're win now. Um, he's not super old, but also, like, he does have that back injury history. Um, so he's, like, old enough – to where the point where you know one more bad hit could could uh, bring that back injury back up, but um yeah he's definitely worth the first I think. Yeah, I think I think it's important to note that um, McVeigh's good at scheming up offensive line protection, so he Stafford really hasn't been getting hit that much, especially even against the the Bucks. Like he was pretty pretty well protected. That's just a great way to lengthen his career. Oh, yeah, yep. I agree. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if you're a team that's trying to rebuild around a quarterback, I'm not going after Stafford. Yeah. But yeah. if you're win now, absolutely. Fair enough. Sorry there, Tommy. I didn't mean to cut you off with uh, talking about your guy, Kirk Cousins, but go ahead. No, you're good. Um, like I was saying, a lot of people may be surprised by that, but Kirk Cousins year in and year out continues to be a top 10, top 8 quarterback in fantasy. I, in my league that uh, Marvin Jones went undrafted, Kirk Cousins went undrafted as well, and I don't understand why he keeps getting the disrespect. But um, <laughs> I continue. I see him to drop down the board a little bit, um, but I, obviously I still think he's going to finish as a top-10 quarterback. And he's also someone I'd be willing to throw a first for um, in a 2QB league. I just think um, those wide receivers, the O-line, the scheme, the offensive scheme that they run is just perfect for him. So it's just a fun quarterback to watch. 
Yeah, I've I've had Kirk Cousins for years in one of my two QB leagues, and I never can even get a second for him. In that league, I have Herbert, Lamar, Rogers, Kirk Cousins. So, like, clearly he's kind of the odd man out. And for years, I've been trying to get a second for Kirk Cousins, and nobody wants to give me one. And he's been, like you said, top 11, top 12 quarterback legitimately, like, for the past four years. So, he's been super, super steady for the Vikings. Um, and he's the kind of guy where you can kind of get him cheap, too. I, I mean, I still think you probably could get him for a second. Maybe his owners are, like, if they're – you know, really, really a big fan, you're not going to be able to. But I would say for most leagues, he's probably still worth roughly a second. Yeah, I mean, he should be worth at least a second. Um, he's only, he's only what, like 30, 31? That is a great question. I think he's 32 or 33. He is Which, 33. I mean, yeah, either way, he's not, he's not yeah. old. Yeah. Same and age as Stafford. He's in a perfect scheme. You just run it with Dalvin Cook, play action, and then you have uh, a really good wide receiver core. So, like, he's going to be consistent. Yep. yep. Agree. Fair enough. Who do you want to hit on here? I'm um, going to go with uh, – I'm, I'm assuming you're giving it to me. Yeah, I am. Uh, oh, cool. I'm going to go with Derek <laughs> Carr. Uh, he is another guy who I feel like is kind of always middle of the pack but like a relatively consistent quarterback, but he is what he's the quarterback eight right now. Yep. I believe and that's correct. He, each of the first three games he's thrown for over 380 yards and two touchdowns. And he was going up against good defenses. He went up against Baltimore, Pittsburgh and Miami. And like those are very good defenses. So this kind of surprised me a little bit um, because I feel like Derek Carr, you know, he's a good quarterback and he's pretty consistent, but like he's one of those guys you're not going to play against a good defense. Whereas guys like even Kirk Cousins, you know, you kind of leave him in there. Um, I do think he's going to fade a little bit, um, I, but probably maybe like top 15 ish quarterbacks. Um, I just don't see him really keeping it up all year long, but I would go out and maybe like a high second I'd pay for him. So my thing is, I I get what you're saying, but if you look at some of the people that aren't in the top, like, 12 right now, or, like, people that are lower, like, Dak Prescott isn't in the top 12. Like, that's going to change. I think he just had one, like, slower game. Joe Burrow isn't in the top 12. Like, that could very conceivably change. Justin Herbert's number 13. So my thing is, like, law of averages, some of these guys just aren't going to stay in here because some of these other quarterbacks are going to start picking it up. So, like, I'm not a car guy. Um I think right now isn't a, isn't a great time to buy because he has been to your point so good. Um, he probably would cost at least a second to get him, and I don't know how many people are going to be super keen to pay that. Or if you're going to pay a second, like I think I would still rather have like Kirk Cousins than Derek Carr. Yeah, but I get your point. He's been playing lights out. I'm actually um all on the car train. Get 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 what I did there. Um, yeah. But oh yeah. A lot of his success comes from how well John Gruden's calling plays. I think he's had an excellent start of the year, and um, he's got that safety net in Darren Waller. I actually think he keeps his place in um, in like the the fantasy quarterback rankings. I think the offense is really coming together. They're not as much as a running attack as they used to be. I, I think I think he ends. If I had to make a a bold statement right now, I think he ends as the eighth best quarterback this year 
Well, here's a question. Do you think that they've been rushing less because they haven't had Josh Jacobs and they had a sorry excuse for Peyton Barber, who did have a good week, and Kenyon Drake? Like, do you think when Jacobs comes back that they're going to stick with this game plan? Um, I think, honestly, I'm not, I, I can't say fully because I'm not sure what's going behind behind the scenes. But I think they're passing more just to protect that O-line a little bit, like quick routes. They were doing a lot of quicks. That's why Darren Waller got 19 targets week one. A lot of quick uh, quick routes to protect that O-line, let them settle in a little bit. So I can see that pattern continuing. That's a good point. And also, it's, it's good to see guys like Brian Edwards and Ruggs stepping up a bit. Because other than Darren Waller before, Carr kind of had – who's he throwing? Is A. Jones out there? Like, he doesn't really have any big targets. And if Ruggs and Brian Edwards can, can, can keep, you know, progressing the way they are, their offense is really kind of clicking. Yeah, one last thing. I think it's also – I know I mentioned this a few times, but it's also important to realize that the Raiders' defense improved greatly too. So that just gets the ball back in the offense's hands more with better field position, which helps fantasy players. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Do you guys have any other quarterbacks we want to talk about here? The other two clear names that I'm seeing that are interesting is Daniel Jones, who – I don't buy that, and Sam Darnold, who maybe, but I don't. I don't think top twelve, but I think he's going to be. It's it's pretty reasonable to think he could end in the in the top, you know, sixteen and be a high end QB two. Yeah, I think Sam Darnold looks uh, pretty good, and I think he stays. Daniel Jones is a guy I'm definitely trying to get rid of. I think he just had a couple games where he he rushed for. Um, you know, 80 yards or whatever. Where I don't know the exact stats, but uh, I think that's boosting him right now. Um, he's still – I don't think he looks good throwing the ball. So, if I own him, I'm probably trying to sell him right now. Yeah. The other thing you got to look at a little bit that I think is an interesting outlier early is, like, rushing touchdowns. Like, Daniel Jones has two, and he does run a little bit more, so maybe that's conceivable. Like, Sam Darnold has three rushing touchdowns on 14 uh, – attempts which is nothing I don't think that's gonna that's gonna continue um so I think if you look at Sam Darnold's passing stats and his um yards relative to like everything else I think Sam Darnold's might be a little bit of an aberration just because I think that like he's he's on pace for 16 rushing touchdowns and like there's just no way that's gonna happen only time will tell Mike I don't even think Lamar's ever. I don't think Lamar's ever. Did he have more than ten? He might have had well, more than ten. I'm looking maybe, at it's, now. maybe it's time for Sammy D to break the record. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It could be time. Sure. Uh, I like how not easy it is to find this sometimes. Um, regular season. How do I switch it so that I can see his rushing stats? I don't think he ever had. That many. You guys don't know, do you? On the no. top of your head? No. But we could wait. We could wait here while you try to figure out a computer. Well, I was thinking you guys could occupy the audience while I look it up. Because I'm just trying to see how obscene it would be for him to have more than 10. Um, yeah, dude, they don't want to give me his rushing stuff. There we go. Yeah, he's never had more. <laughs> Lamar's high is seven. <laughs> Sam Darnold's on pace for 16. You think he's going right, to get more well, than eight? I bold Come statement. On, he doubles bold statement. He doubles Lamar Jackson. <laughs> smacks fourteen rushing touchdowns down. 
All right. Well, I guess we can just say whatever we want. And then at the end of the season, go, see, I said bold take. There you go. Um, <laughs> it's a soft flag, dude. I'm planting my soft flag. All right. So nothing bad can happen. All right. Well, that's, that's, that joke probably won't ever die. Okay. Are we good to move on from quarterbacks at this point? Or do you guys have anybody else you want to talk about? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Let's go to running backs. So looking at running backs here, we got the King Henry himself at one, Aaron Jones at two, DeAndre Swift, my boys at three, no big deal. Uh, Christian McCaffrey at four, Austin Eckler at five, Elliott at six, Kareem Hunt seven, Nick Chubb eight, Melvin Gordon nine, Najee Harris ten. And I can't believe I'm saying this, Cordero Patterson at 11, Chris Carson at 12. So lots of guys are not in there that you would have expected at the start of the year. Also got to keep in mind that Dalvin Cook has missed a game. Um so, you know, a couple of variables here, obviously. But let's uh, let's start off with you this time, John. Who do you want to talk about first at running back? Where is Jamal Williams on that list? Uh, I think Jamal Sleeper, Williams is like 10. Let's see. On this, he is 1, 2, let's see. I said Carson was 12, 13, 14. He's 15. Because on Sleeper for PPR, he's 10. Uh, so he's got a lot of receptions like Swift. That makes sense. Yeah. I was going to talk about him because it's very surprising that, one, I mean, Swift is still doing great with the limited touches he's getting, but I'm very surprised how many receptions Jamal Williams is getting. They really like him over there. Um, at the start of the year, there was talks about how, like, Kamara could be like Swift and how Jamal Williams could be like Latavius Murray in the Saints prime. And a lot of people laughed it off, but um, Dan Campbell comes from New Orleans. Like he was a coach with Sean Payton, um, you know, and right now it's looking like DeAndre Swift gets about 60 to 65% of the snaps. And the touch breakdown is about 55% DeAndre Swift to 45% Jamal Williams. I think to your point, they like, they can both be productive. I wouldn't be surprised if they start giving Swift a little bit more touches just because he's been so good. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, Jamal Williams has looked really, really solid, and nobody projected him as a top 15 running back coming into the year. Here's, here's a question for you. Do you think if they don't start winning games and they almost go into rebuild mode, they use Swift less just to kind of save him? No, because they're using him as little as they're going to use him right now. There's no situation where he's going to be getting less touches. Okay, well then, he, then they don't then they don't give him more touches because they're kind of trying to save him until maybe they get a different quarterback or something like that. No, I think they could. I could, I think they'll give him more touches because I think Swift gives them the best chance to win on that offense. Genuinely, I think that Dan Campbell is in a position where with the amount of picks he has, like listen, like we're being honest, right? They have no wide receivers. Like they're thinking rebuild either way. But, like, there have been plenty of good running backs on bad teams to put up monster numbers before. Like, that's not inconceivable. So, my thing is, DeAndre Swift coming into the year, if you guys remember, um, they said he was limited because of a groin injury week one. Now, thus far, you know, he's had a really good amount of touches. He has um, he has 55 touches on the year so far. So, his breakdown's about, what, 16, 17 uh, a week. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those are my thoughts. What do you got, Tommy? Yeah, I just want to say real quick to Johnny's point. Um, teams, NFL teams don't think about rebuilds like that. 
They're going to play their best players no matter what because there's just so many jobs at stake. There's players that are maybe aren't going to be on the lines for the next year, so they're fighting to get recognized by another team. It's different than from fantasy when you're rebuilding and you want to lose. No NFL team – There's the athletes are way too competitive. The coaches are way too competitive, especially Dan Campbell. He's crazy. Um, so, in, in like, they would never sit a star player just to rest them. So I don't think that's a, a big concern for Swift owners. That's yeah. fair. I, just, I was just curious what you thought. Yeah, don't be. Okay. All right, well, then why, <laughs> why do the Buccaneers start Leonard Fournette and not Ronald Jones? He's better. Because Ronald, it's, because it's Ronald that Bones doesn't me. know what the hell's going on. He doesn't even know that he's in Florida, dude. <laughs> That's, that's why. Um, yeah, but to your point, DeAndre Swift leads all running backs in receptions. He leads them in receiving yards, and he leads them – or he's he's second on targets. Najee Harris has four more targets because he had a 19-target game. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Yeah, so here's here's an interesting thing because we're on the Jamal Williams-DeAndre Swift talk, and I, did, I just want to hit on Swift here. I got two questions for you. One of them is – I think this one actually is maybe a little bold coming into the year, but I think it's reasonable if you think about the floor that is provided in terms of receiving. Is DeAndre Swift a top eight running back rest of season? Yeah, I think so. Goff, Jared Goff is just – Jared Dumpoff? He doesn't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And so just, just based off pure – and, I mean, Swift looks really good. He looks really good even running the ball. Um, and I think just purely off dump-offs, he could be a top eight running back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'd be top eight. It's also an important thing is that the Lions moved Penny Sewell back to left tackle because um, he was right tackle and the Lions – I don't know the Lions starting left tackle, but he got hurt. And he got hurt, yeah. yeah. He's dominating like it's college again. Um, so I think that's really freeing up the O-line. So I think, I think um, he has the potential to stay top eight. They have a monster so, O-line. Yeah. So going off of that, do you think he's one of these guys you kind of buy high now um, just because maybe there is – like he is kind of splitting touches with Jamal Williams, so maybe you can get him slightly cheaper than you would be able to if he finishes the year top eight? I don't think you can buy him from anyone in any league. Um, Genuinely. On this one. I think uh, in redraft, it's like he's number three on scoring on the year. Um, and this is a year where, like, there's a lot of uncertainty with running backs. Like, looking at the top 12, right, like, you got Melvin Gordon in here. You got, you know, McCaffrey's already kind of hurt. Dalvin Cook's dinged up. You got Corderell Patterson at 11. Like, people need things that they feel good about starting. Like, some guys have just not panned out yet. Like, uh, Antonio Gibson's had, like, a slower start, as we, we talked about that before. James Robinson starts a little bit slower. Um like, Daryl Henderson's been dinged up. Saquon Barkley's had a slow start, as we kind of anticipated. Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor. Like, all these guys have had really slow starts. Um, in Dynasty coming into the year, I think, uh, you know, I talked about this a little bit. Swift was my RB6 in Dynasty. And he was my first running back after the big five. So, um, you know, that was the grouping of Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, uh, Dalvin, CMC, and – did I already say Kamara? No. no. And Kamara. And I, I think it's debatable. I mean, he's looked better than Jonathan Taylor has this year. Um, they're the same age, same with draft class. And it's not like, you know, the Colts know what they have at quarterback right now. Carson Wentz hasn't played well. I think I, I'm already seeing he's like a top – he's kind of broken into the top five. I'm, I'm not saying 
whether or not it's an overreaction, but I do see some places where that's already happened. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like that too. All right. Um, so I, I totally hijacked your Jamal Williams take, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. Did you have other things about Jamal Williams that you want to point out? Like, where, where do you see him finishing the season? Do you see him finishing in the top 15 to 20? Uh, no, probably like 20 to 25 range. I like what you said. He's probably going to fade out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they'll probably start using Swift more. Swift is going to force their hand. He looks too good. That being said, I do think Jamal Williams is a steal. Like, I think he's a starting flex right now. Like, you should yeah. be super happy if you have him because they are giving him touches still. Um, are you so trying even to, if he's there. Are you trying to trade him for whatever you can get? Like, you trying to – would you take a second? If I had Jamal Williams, yeah. Like, I don't want – I don't want that piece of it. It's the same thing with Melvin Gordon. Like, I don't want that piece of the committee kind of – it's just yeah. not the part that's exciting me. I get why people have it. Like when you don't, you know, when running backs thin, like I understand why people are, are doing what they're doing. Um, here, here's one that I want to talk about, guys. And this isn't because we're surprised that he's here. It's more because like we should just have a, like a genuine discussion about him. That's Christian McCaffrey. Um, he got hurt, obviously, this week. I believe it was a bad hamstring pull. Um we don't know how long he's going to be out, but this is clearly his second time with this injury. Um, I believe McCaffrey is now 25 years old. Um, so, yeah, he, he just turned 25 this summer. So he's obviously young, but, you know, it, this is why it's risky to have, like, an asset like him because he is a lot of people's whole teams. Is he still the dynasty RB1 for you guys? Or, like, do you think at this point – Regardless of his scoring, like you would be not trying to buy him because of something like this. Uh, yeah, I'll take this one first. Um, well, for they didn't put him on the short term IR for his injury, which means he could be back in a week, he could be back in two weeks. Like, there's no timetable there, and that concerns me because I'm afraid they're gonna rush him back. Like, th- these kind of things you just have to let him heal. Um, that being said, I'm also upset with the way the Panthers are using him. I wish they'd. Uh, use use uh, McCaffrey the way the Saints use Kamara. They're they're running um, McCaffrey straight up the gut way too many times as an undersized running back, and I think that's putting wear and tear onto McCaffrey. So I am con- concerned about these injuries stacking up, especially now that they're reoccurring injuries. They're not just random freak accidents. Um, as for getting rid of him, that might be an overreaction. Um, I would probably wait and see, but definitely try to do what I can do to get Chubba Hubbard. Let me let me ask you this question then, because getting rid of him is all subjective, right? Like he's like he's conservatively a top four dynasty asset. So my question is, if if you had him and somebody came at you and said, "I'm going to give you two firsts next year and a first the year after for him," or would you take three firsts for him? Three random firsts because you don't know where they're going to finish. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm even close. To a rebuild, I think I take it. If I'm like my team's getting up in age and like this is the year, and then I rebuild after, I probably just try to ride it out. Um, I'm, I want to say I'd take it, but I wanted you'd want one of those first to conceivably be able to get you another running back. Um, but I'm definitely I'm not buying him. The the second like this injury scares me, and it's kind of annoying. Like almost like Dalvin Cook, you always have to have his backup running back. You know, when he's on the field, he's 100% top 
top five dynasty running back. But then there's years like that. Like last year, he he didn't play. This year, he's already probably going to miss multiple weeks. And it's just it starts to take up a bench spot just to have to have his backup all the time. Um, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I traded Cook this year. Um, just when he's on the field, like he's almost a guaranteed 30 points, but then there's going to be week, like multiple weeks where you're missing him, and you have to have, if you don't have Alexander Madison, you're missing like half your team. Um, so I'm definitely not buying him because I'm not, I don't want to give up three first for him and then have him miss a full season. Yeah, this is one of those times where it's really hard because if you're a competing team and you have aspirations about winning at all, like you're clearly not going to move him. Um, but this is kind of one of those things like this is the Zeke Elliott year early versus year late argument. Like McCaffrey could be really good for three more years or he could be really good for a year and a half and just keep annoying you with injuries. And it's it's a little tricky. I personally have never owned McCaffrey in Dynasty. So like I know that that roller coaster can be tough. I think you guys both already hit on it. Like hamstring injuries just tend to linger a long time. And I would be a little bit concerned about that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to you, Tommy. Who do you want to talk about here? You can you can breach out of the top 12, I suppose, if you really want. I don't know if there's that many like super surprising ones in here. Uh, Melvin Gordon maybe is interesting. And there's Cordell Patterson if you want to talk about either of them. But Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk on Cordell for a second. Um, I think I'm here to say that his touches right now are sustainable. So I think he finishes, say, top 18, which would be a steal considering no one knew what to expect from him. And I say this because he's splitting touches with Mike Davis, running the ball pretty equally, which I'm surprised about. But on top of that, he's yeah. getting most of the checkdowns. And as Matt Ryan's been getting older, he's been checking down much more uh, because he's getting even less mobile. The O-line's weak, so he's just checking down. Um, and to put up 24 points as a running back against the Buccaneers' defense, you got to be doing something right. So I think just from his splitting carries and his receptions, I think he, I think he keeps his value. Like I said, top 18. Yeah, that is fair. Um, I was at first skeptical that he would con- like continue these touches, but now that I'm looking, uh, 13 this week, 12 the week before, nine week one, it's a it's a reasonable amount of touches. So like, I think you're kind of right there. If anything, if he continues to look like decent, you know, maybe they plan on using him a little bit more than Mike Davis. I still don't want any part of him because I like have no freaking clue what he is like. <laughs> Would you guys take a third for him in Dynasty? Like, a random third? Um, no. Thirds don't get yeah. – Giving up the it, best kick returner of all time, can't do it. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, if he's scoring points for you this year, why why take a third? Um, I guess the better I, question is, do you ever feel good about starting him now? Oh, I'm starting no. this week. My flex. I mean, who's honestly, on your dude, bench? Um, I think I'm starting him over Corey Davis. No, dude, can't do it. Can't do it. You got to trust the process. Is the process tanking? <laughs> the process. I mean, dude, honestly, the Falcons suck. They're going to be playing yeah. from behind all the time. And if he's getting the receiving work out of the backfield, especially in PPR, dude, he's probably going to, his floor is probably 10 points. I just – I don't know. I don't trust Wilson in that offense. I watched 
I watched the film breakdown of the Jets' offense on that, uh, like, fourth and 11, and three wide receivers ran the same route. <laughs> like, they were literally standing on top of each other. Sounds just, about right. I, I don't know. Cradell's my guy. He's been my guy for a while. Apparently someone is using him right. Yeah, I mean, you can't build Roman a day. So, like, at the end of the day, if you have Quirrell Patterson, if you, like, trip and stumble, then he somehow ended up on your roster, I guess, good on you. Um, let's talk about some people that maybe are underperforming. We talked about Gibson last week. Um, Gibson looked a little bit better this week, which was nice. I don't know if we need to dig into him too much. James Robinson looked better this week. Let's talk about David Montgomery because I don't think it's really David Montgomery's fault, but the bears like look like a, a dumpster fire right now. Um, I don't, have any Bears players on any of my rosters and like I'm kind of happy about it right at this moment I know Fields is going to have better days ahead but do you guys think that David Montgomery finds his way you know into the you know top 20 at the end of the year here you go first Johnny that's your guy (laughs) uh I would still say top 20 uh I would have said higher if I didn't watch Justin Fields stand there like a statue and not throw the freaking ball last week um, but I still feel pretty safe about him top 20. I mean, he looks really good when he's getting the ball. It's just that their offense is, like you said, looks like a dumpster fire right now. And they're even debating starting Nick Foles next week, which I'd almost prefer over, uh, Justin Fields right now. But, uh, week one against the Rams, dude, Montgomery looked great. And that's a good rush defense. And then it just, their offense fell apart. But top 20, I feel safe. Yeah, I mean, he's – as most running backs are, they're a product of their offense. So it's all just – I don't know. It's all just how the Bears' offense plays. Because if they fall behind fast from dumb turnovers and stuff, he's not going to get the proper touches. So it just – he's a tough one for me. I feel like he's a huge boomer bust um, player. That's that's a tough one. I thought Fields' RPO, or RPO value and read option value would help his – help his running game a little bit, but it just the Bears offense is just in shambles. He does get he does get some of the receiving. Yeah. It's hard to get a lot of receiving work, work though when your offense has one net passing yards. Justin Fields didn't throw the ball. They yeah. were talking about the offensive line and how he got sacked eight times. He stood there for ten seconds and just didn't do anything. He had was... one he had one net passing yard. Yeah, that's not good. In a game of football. Definitely not yeah. good, I can tell you that. <laughs> As the host of the pod, I can tell you not good. Um, all right, we're running up on, you know, 40-something minutes here. Is there anybody else you guys desperately want to talk about that we have not hit on? Jonathan Taylor's had a slow start to the year because of the Colts, I think. Clyde edwards Layers had a kind of slow start. Miles Sanders had a slow start. Do you guys want to talk about any of them or not? Uh, I think I'm good. Yeah, not really. All right. Uh, they're so bad for fantasy teams, they don't even get talked about right now. Um, no, but in all honesty, I, I, I kind of like all of them still. I think it's just it's hard because it's only three weeks, so usage is a little bit tricky. Let's go ahead and go into the wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to kick it back to you, Tommy, to talk us through one of these. But for the top 12, is I can just read them off real quick here. Um, little Cooper Cup comes in at number one, having a monster year. Number two is Big Mike Williams. Three, Tyler Lockett. Four, Jamar Chase. 
five Adam Thielen, six Debo Samuel, seven Brandon Cooks, eight Chris Godwin, nine Devontae Adams, ten Justin Jefferson, eleven DJ Moore, and twelve Marquise Brown edges out Tyreek Hill. Who would have thought? Certainly not Tim. Oh no, he's he's too small. I had to close <laughs> what was my that window. noise? <laughs> I had to close my window. My, my I thought it was a duck. Over. I thought it was a duck quacking for Marquise. <laughs> Yeah, my neighbor's having a little party in the parking lot. Hey, nice. um, uh, I'll start us off. I'm shocked by most of these wide yep. receivers. <laughs> yep. Definitely the most uh, random grouping. But um, it's a hard one to choose, but I think I'm going to go with Brandon – or, yeah, Brandon Cooks. Um, definitely probably the most surprising on the list. I'm kind of concerned with the sustainability of it. Because Texans, I don't think that really needs that much of an explanation. Um, he's getting the proper amount of targets. He's getting, obviously, a lot of yards to average, be the, is that the seventh wide receiver. I'm just concerned as this Texans team goes along and as they continue to lose games, the, the team lose faith that the offense just falls apart. I still think he ends probably top 20. I think he gets out of the top 10 the next few weeks. I don't know. He seems pretty quarterback proof. Um, and I mean, I think the Texans are already talking about trading any of their veterans, which includes him. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's always a chance he goes to a better situation. But I, I, like you said, I feel safe, probably top 20. I don't know if he ends the year top 10. Yeah. Yeah. But he's by no means a bad wide receiver. I think it's kind of crazy that teams keep getting rid of him. It just, the situation scares me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I get that. He just seems like he he's producing, but I don't know. I, it's hard to put my thumb on it. You know what I mean? Like, he always seems a little bit undervalued, but he's in a dumpster fire situation. He's still producing as just, like, the only reliable target. So, if you have him, congrats. I think that people probably wouldn't pay more than a second. But, like, obviously, when he's doing as well as he is, he's set and forget, and, like, you're just going to take the points. Yeah, that's true. But I could also see him – turning into what Allen Robinson is turning into this year. Because even though he's the best wide receiver on that team, if if you get a quarterback out there who's afraid to throw the football and ends up getting four targets a game, like that's not that's not gonna end well for him. Yeah. That is that is fair. Um I guess the difference here is you know, Brandon Cooks seems like somebody who is a lot cheaper than Allen Robinson, which is why like when you talk about him, it's sort of like, are you trying to capitalize on him or, or what? Um, but yeah, that's super fair. Okay, John, I think I already know who you want to talk about, but just humor us and, and go ahead and go to Mike Williams here. Uh, big Mike Williams finally putting it together. I, I, I kind of called it. Um, Cause. Oh, really? You to show me. You, I know you like him, but when did you call it on the pod? Yeah. Cause I, I talked about how they brought over the saints. Uh, I think it was offensive coordinator. And he was talking about putting Mike Williams, moving him to the X receiver where they used to have Michael Thomas. Um, and he's gotten in the past three games, 12 targets, 10 targets, nine targets. Where was he before? To, uh, was I, he the Y? I think so, yeah. And Keenan was the X? I believe so. So all that means is off ball, on ball, like at the line of scrimmage. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they, mm. they basically just are getting him more targets. And yeah, I think actually, the targets is the thing. 
Yeah, and he's because he was always a deep threat, but you know he'd have games where it'd be two catches for eighty yards, and then that's it. But now he's getting ten, twelve targets, and he's still getting downfield, and now he's finally scoring touchdowns. I think he stays top ten. Honestly, Herbert looks Herbert's pumping the ball. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, I would say if anything, are you guys worried about Keenan Allen because of because of how good Mike Williams looked? I'm guessing no. No, not really. No, Herbert can sustain both of them. I I totally agree with that. Here's a wild one for you. Jamar Chase is the fourth scoring <laughs> the fourth scoring wide receiver on only eleven receptions on the year. That's pretty crazy. Here's another crazy one. Tyler Lockett on 16 receptions has 309 yards. I feel like that's pretty inconceivable as well. Um, Is there any update on Lockett's injury? What's that? Is there any update on Lockett's injury? I I feel like I haven't seen anything on that. I I haven't read anything about him being hurt. I feel like Lockett's just a boomer bust guy in his first two weeks were boom and his last game was bust. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I'm less surprised by him being there than Jamar Chase. That kind of took me off guard a little bit. Yeah, I mean, do, I mean, he was already a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. Do you guys have Jamar Chase higher than that? He Is he pushing for top seven here? Do you want me to give you some names to, so you can anchor it to something? Yeah, sure. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, well, I'll give you the obvious ones already. Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Tyreek, Devontae Adams are the first six. Seven is Calvin Ridley. Eight is Diggs. Nine is Chase. I think he could easily push for Ridley and Diggs to be at seven. I may have Diggs over him, but Ridley's more of a question mark, I feel like, and a worse offense with an aging quarterback with a worse O line. Yeah, yeah, Ridley. Yeah. I, I'm worried about Ridley right now, just just because that team is kind of a dumpster fire. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, who else do you guys want to talk about here? How about let's talk about Hollywood? Let's talk about Hollywood MF Brown, who is higher than Tyreek Hill on this list, and he dropped three touchdowns <laughs> this past week, or he could have been higher than Cooper Frickin' Cup. Um, and then he caused Justin Tucker to have to kick a 66 yard field goal. Um, you know, what do you guys think about Hollywood Brown here? And is this going to continue? I actually have a question for you, Mike. Turn the tables here. When Rashad Bateman gets back in the lineup, does that hurt Marquise Brown's value or no? No, and here's why. Because rookie wide receivers, the vast majority of them, don't establish their footprint on an offense immediately. I think Bateman's just going to greatly be able to help Lamar who doesn't really have anyone to throw other than Hollywood and Andrews. But if you look at like Hollywood's target amounts, like 23 targets, isn't exactly a very high amount of targets as it is. He has 15 receptions on 23 targets. So like, it's not inconceivable, you know, that he continues to get six, seven targets a game. He's going to be the number one. I think if anything, it's going to have more of an impact on just the other guys they have there, like Watkins, who's like kind of had a couple of solid catches. I, and for the Ravens' sake, I like it. I think it might actually help Hollywood Brown because he's probably going to start getting, if he hasn't already, a little bit more defensive attention. Yeah, I like that. I, I was going to say that I think Bateman just comes in and takes most of, most of Watkins' touches. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, he's still uh, – Hollywood's still going to be used out of the slot. And, I mean, it was painful watching three of those balls bounce off his face mask. But, he'll. I mean, he'll catch those. I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, every receiver has a problem with it at some point in their career, I think, or at least a lot of receivers do, not everyone. But um, I will say last year, one of the things that was wrong with Hollywood in the first half of the year is he had issues like that. And that was like an ongoing issue for him where he was having concentration drops or he was like not able to fully like corral it in. And he was thinking about where he was going to run after he caught it. I think – it's exactly like you said, like it's a strangely bad game. And even in a bad game, he had three catches for like, I don't know. I think it was 59 or 49 yards, something like that. So he still had about seven fantasy points, even missing three touchdowns, three for 53. Yeah. I mean, he, if he can stop doing that, he can have some of these Tyreek Hill, <clears throat> like monster, like 50 point games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely an interesting one. Another name that pops out here is is Thielen, just like doing Thielen things again with his touchdowns. Um, everybody was joking on Twitter this week about how like the Adam Thielen touchdown regression is never coming, and I can't say that they're wrong. Uh, you know, still has four through three games, so that's going to be an interesting one to track. Let's talk about a couple of guys that are underperforming a little bit, and if you're worried about them, if you guys are good switching gears, unless there's anybody else you want to talk about. No, I'm good. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Uh, my, the first two that come to mind are DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. And I think um, my first thought, and that's just, I'm going in order of the listing. I think there's a couple other guys we could talk about, like Allen Robinson, maybe Terry McLaurin um, and Amari Cooper. But again, I think for the most part, they'll be fine. Metcalf and AJ Brown were looked at as top three dynasty assets going into the year at wide receiver. Um, are you guys concerned about Metcalf or AJ Brown at this point? Um, if I had to choose, I'd probably be more concerned with A.J. Brown and Metcalf. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's tough when the Titans are playing with a lead, they lean on the run game. And when they're playing from behind, their their passing attack kind of struggles when they can't stay behind play action. And obviously both of those hurt A.J. Brown. That's why I was kind of low on him and Julio coming into the season. Meanwhile, um, D.K. Metcalf still has Russell Wilson. He'll be there for a while. Um, so I would I would have D.K. Metcalf ranked higher in Dynasty than A.J. Brown. I agree with that. And I have both in a league, so not even biased. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he his rookie year, he had 1,000 yards on 50 receptions. Yeah. And then last, last year, it was 70 receptions. So he's not getting, you know, these 100, 110 reception years, which is a little scary, like you said, when the game script doesn't go his way. Um, so he's going to have those monster games, but then there's going to be games where he's not really used. So I I agree with having him behind Metcalf. I would be trying to buy the shit out of him if I could. Yep. Honestly, I think in any league where you could buy him, in fact, it's making me think about one of my leagues specifically where I might try to buy him. Um, I I would be trying hard to buy him and capitalize on his slow start and his owner is probably being angry about the zero he just put up. I still like him a lot. I think it's a testament to how good he is that he hasn't had high volume and he still produced as well as he has. He's very young in his career. And it, it, it's not the kind of thing where like 
typically there aren't a lot of superstars that as they develop more in their career, they don't become target hogs in some capacity. I think you're right that the Titans offense is a little bit screwy, but like he's made 50 receptions and 70 receptions work. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that continues. Oh yeah. No, I was by no means saying like panic on him. I was just talking about when we were comparing him to Metcalf. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. Um, there's so many receivers we really could talk about here. Um, maybe Allen Robinson, John. What do you think about Allen Robinson with what's going on? I feel like it's fairly straightforward if the Bears don't have a quarterback that can throw Allen Robinson's in trouble. Yeah, I almost hope they start Nick Foles next week just because at least he'll throw the football. I felt, I mean, I felt better with Dalton in than I did Justin Fields. So there's nothing to say. If the quarterback's going to stand there and not throw the ball, it's not going to work. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I'm not. Totally I'm not worried about him. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to sell him or anything. Uh, I wouldn't. Bad time to I sell also, anyway. I also wouldn't exactly be going and buying him because who knows if Justin Fields, you know, maybe he does turn around. Maybe he doesn't. It didn't look great last week. Um, he, I, he's a guy you just hang on to, and and he'll probably bounce back. Is is um Allen Robinson playing on the franchise tag right now? Yes. See, because that's interesting. If a if a good team goes out and pays for him, his value skyrockets. So that's oh yeah, that's an and, interesting risk reward thing. If someone's looking to trade for him, mm-hmm. and and he's been kind of quiet about that recently. And I feel like after this year, he's probably gonna be like, "Get me the hell off this team." Yeah, yeah, he has to. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think it'd be crazy not to. Is there anyone else here we want to maybe talk about? What about Cortland Sutton? He's been pretty quiet through three weeks when you consider Judy hasn't been there. John, I know you have Sutton. How are you feeling? Well, no, he had the one um, big game, what, two weeks ago? <clears throat> yeah, against two. Jacksonville, 9 for 159. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it is Jacksonville, but he's still kind of coming off the knee injury and with a new quarterback. Like, he didn't get a lot of reps in the offseason – I'm not really too concerned with him. Um, and, I mean, I, actually, Teddy Bridgewater is pushing the ball downfield a lot this year. So, I'm actually – yeah, now that I think about it, I'm really not concerned at all. I think I think it's just a slow start for him. Yeah, I, I think the Broncos are just playing such bad teams that they're getting leads and just playing more passively than getting in shootouts. They play, what, the, the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars? Yeah. So I think they're just getting up 20 and then just leaning on the run game and little cheap play actions. Also important to note that Hamler just tore his ACL, so that only helps Sutton's value. Really? Did he? Yeah. Wow, I did not know about that. Um, that is that is crazy. Um, Judy's going to have to come back there, and it's going to be interesting to see how everything breaks out. Okay, I have one last question, lightning round, before we close out for this week. <laughs> Rank these four receivers for me in Dynasty. Uh, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins. Yanni, you're first. Chase Claypool, Ayuk. Higgins and Higgins uh, and Judy. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go. Yeah, you go, Jerry. Uh, no, no, you go, you go Tommy. You got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I'm gonna go Judy at number one. I like what the Broncos are building over there. I'm going to go Higgins number two. 
At least the, the Bengals have a decent pass attack. I'm going to go Ayuk 3, even despite his start. I think he's starting to pick it up now. And then Claypool last, just because Ben Roethlisberger might be the worst quarterback in the league right now. And if they don't hit on a QB next draft, like I don't want a wide receiver with um, Mason Rudolph throwing the football. That's fair. Um, I think I have him close, but I think I'm going to go Higgins 1, just because I think even though Chase and Boyd are there, I think Higgins still dominates um, in terms of the red zone. Um, and, and I think he's he just profiles as a number one receiver. Um, I know Chase kind of does too, but I feel very safe with Higgins. Um, and, I, and Burrow can air it out and support both of them. Uh, Judy too, I agree. I like what the Broncos are doing over there. I think I have Claypool over Ayuk. Um, I mean – it is tough because the quarterback situation is not great, but I think Claypool is – he can be dominant. And, you know, I, I just – I mean, I like him over Ayuk. I don't know what's happening with Ayuk right now. And I also don't like Garoppolo in there. So, I think that's how I got him. I have him in the same order as you, John. I have Higgins 1, Judy 2, Claypool 3, uh, Ayuk 4. I'll be honest. I don't know what the heck is going on with San Francisco ever. And, like, I'm just really – not, I don't know. I If your name isn't Kittle, I don't feel that great about playing you consistently. And I know I said Elijah Mitchell is a start for this week, but just in general, like, I don't know what to think about Ayuk and Debo and how they're going to cannibalize each other. I think Higgins is more safe with Chase than Ayuk is with Debo and Kittle. I think Judy is going to be the number one when he comes back. He looked really good the first week. I think – Claypool, he, he has tantalizing upside, and if Judy leaves next year, I still think he's going to – like, it's unlikely the quarterback's going to be as bad as really what we've seen from Roethlisberger thus far. I think this is a good buying window on Claypool, and I think it's a good buying window on Judy as well. Maybe Higgins if someone's panicking. Uh, I don't. I mean, Higgins might only miss uh, – I mean, it's a short week. He might miss this week too, but I don't think anyone's panicking on Higgins. Higgins. I, I, agree so with Judy. I agree with Judy and – Claypool. Yeah, fair enough. All right, you guys have anything else before we close out? No. Good pot. No, I'm good. All right, boys. Thanks again. Uh, We'll be back again next week. Peace out. Peace. Have a good one.